Jesus, we love you so much, Lord. Father, despite, Lord Jesus, the goings-on and, Lord, the things we must do and we do according to thy will, Lord Jesus, that is our heart's desire. Come, Lord Jesus. Take us home, Father. Perfect us, Lord Jesus, into thy image, Lord, that we could walk with you eternally, Lord, and ever be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we just ask this morning, Lord, that you just have the full preeminence, the remainder of the service as well, Lord. Pray you'd come and speak to our hearts. Use this time, Lord, to comfort us, Father. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit, the great comforter today, more than ever before, Lord. Father, we just commit it all into your hands. Remember the needs that were made, Lord. Think of Brother Luke in the hospital. Father, I pray your hand would be upon him, Lord Jesus. May angels be round about him, Lord. Father, regardless of what the doctors have to say, you're the great physician, Lord Jesus. You know exactly what's going on, and you're able, Lord. I pray you'd increase his faith, Lord, as he'd hear the word. May it minister faith into his ears, Lord. And Father, think of Sister Kim in the hospital with back trouble, Lord Jesus. Remember her, Father God. Sister Liz, Lord Jesus, remember her condition, Lord, her needs, Lord Jesus. You know where she's at, Lord. I pray you just go to her right where she is, Father. Lord, we just commit her into your hands. You know the needs in the body this morning, Lord. Father, you know, Lord, how we just are such a needy people. We look to you. We ask your will be done now and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Thank you, musicians. God bless you. Amen. Let's take our Bibles, turn to the book of Jeremiah this morning. Jeremiah chapter 12. Amen. It's good to be home and see each one of you again. Certainly love you all. So enjoyed being with some of the young men yesterday at a little, call it a bachelor party, but it was a bit more of a bachelor beat up, I think. We rented a gym and played some hockey and some volleyball, and then they played dodgeball and I left. I knew better. God bless you all. We sure enjoyed that. and We enjoyed being away, but we are happy to be home with the saints of God again. And Home. Amen. That's, this is our natural home, but we all are looking to go to a city whose builder and maker is not a man. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, our God. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 12, forgive me, I know you've been standing long, but we're going to read the chapter. It's only 17 verses. It says, Righteous art thou, O Lord, when I plead unto thee. Yet let me talk with thee of thy judgments. Wherefore doth the way of the wicked prosper? Wherefore are all they happy that deal very treacherously? Thou hast planted them, yea, they have taken root. They grow, yea, they bring forth fruit. Thou art near in their mouth and far from their reins. But thou, O Lord, knowest me, thou hast seen me and tried mine heart toward thee. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and prepare them for the day of slaughter. How long shall the land mourn and the herbs of every field wither and the wicked of them that dwell therein and the beasts are consumed and the birds because they said, he shall not see our last end. If thou hast run with the footmen and they were, have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with, with horses? And if in the land of peace wherein thou trustest they wearied thee, how wilt thou be in the swelling of Jordan? For even thy brethren and the house of thy father, even they that dealt treacherously with thee, yea, they have called a multitude after thee, believe them not. Though they speak fair words unto thee, I have forsaken mine house, I have left mine heritage, I have given the dearly beloved of my soul into the hand of her enemies. Mine heritage is unto me as a lion in the forest, it crieth out against me, therefore have I hated it, mine heritage is unto me as a speckled bird. The birds round about are against her. Come ye, assemble all the beasts of the field, come to devour. Many pastors have destroyed my vineyard and have trodden my portion underfoot. They have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. They have made it desolate, and being desolate, it mourneth unto me. The whole land is made desolate, because no man layeth it to heart. The spoilers are come upon all high places through the wilderness, for the sword of the Lord shall devour from the one end of the land even to the other end of the land. No flesh shall have peace. They have sown wheat, but shall reap thorns. They have put themselves to pain, but shall not profit. And they shall be ashamed of your revenues because of the fierce anger of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord against all mine evil neighbors that touch the inheritance which I have caused my people Israel to inherit. Behold, 
I will pluck them out of their land and pluck out the house of Judah from among them. And it shall come to pass after that I have plucked them out, I will return and have compassion on them. And I will bring them again, every man to his heritage and every man to his land. And it shall come to pass if they will diligently learn the ways of my people to swear by my name, the Lord liveth, as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then shall they be built in the midst of my people. And if they will not obey, I will utterly pluck them up, utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, saith the Lord. Amen. May the Lord eyes blessing to the world. You may have your seats. Amen. This may seem a strange scripture to take after a pastoral vote. But stay with me. All right, I got two people, three people, four people. Amen. All right, we're all on the same page now. In Jeremiah chapter 12, for for a large portion of it, this is the prophet speaking on behalf of of his heritage. His spiritual children, which children are a heritage of the Lord, and he's speaking as the prophet to that time period and that that place saying that his children, his heritage have been given into the care of many pastors. They've been given into the care of different ones that have, have, have kept them or tried to keep them and have done wickedly and have trodden them underfoot. But it's not really until verse 14 in the chapter when it starts to say, thus saith the Lord, that it changes from, uh, that it changes from being the um, Uh, the personal pleading and the observation of a prophet into the word of the Lord. It becomes prophecy when God begins to speak. This is what I will do to those that are against, and this is what I will do to those who will turn their way in the right direction. And and then really in in verse 16, as we read, and I'll just try and lay some things in and move a little bit quickly at first, but I don't want to move too quick, but I also don't have a lot of time. Amen. All right. And it shall come to pass, if they will diligently learn the ways of my people and swear by my name, the Lord liveth. And listen to these next words. As they taught my people to swear by Baal. So it lays out as God begins to prophesy through the prophet and say, listen, this is the real issue the people are having. And that is that they've taken good godly principles and applied it to an evil God applied it to something that's false. They, they did the same thing in the, in the, in the wilderness where, they, where Aaron fashioned a calf out of the gold. And he said, this is the God that delivered you out of Egypt. Where they took what God actually did and applied it to something else that the people could see physically and say, well, I'm sure this is the right way because I can physically see the manifestation. When God doesn't move in that way, he's the unseen God, but he moves on the hearts of his people. And as he begins to lay it out, he says, the same way you taught them to swear by Baal is the way that I've told you you ought to live by me. My. And in other words, and if I could take it this way, as, as he talks about the pastors that have destroyed my vineyard, what he's saying is these pastors have took away the leading of the Holy Spirit and they've taken away the authority of the word and replaced it with political influence and political oppression. Which is what Baal was, because Baal was a God that was always established by the current monarchy. 
That's what Baal was brought in by Jezebel. It was brought in by a monarchy. Every time it was established, the, the, the worshipers of Baal went to the monarchy of the time and said, we need to establish this because there are neighbors do it. And that's what gave it grounds in the first place was when someone in a position of political authority backed it up. But they would replace what was the leadership of God and they would replace what was the authority of the word prophet of the day with political oppression. And in that they would take the life right out of the church and made it into a desolate wilderness. Now, I do have to say some things. As I said before, I'm going to abstain from comments for now. Now I can make some comments. And the people said, Hallelujah. Amen. I was happy with the order of things so I don't have to speak to a vote. I can speak to moving forward. So I want to say today we voted on a pastor. And if I could put something forward, I would like to say we voted on a pastor who has tirelessly advocated for the leadership of the Holy Spirit and the authority of the word in the church. He's tirelessly advocated for that, and he has placed these things over any idea of man, including his own ideas, and has displayed a pattern that, that throughout his time in a position of authority, he has displayed a pattern that shows that he desires the leadership of God and the, 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 the prospering of the house of God more than he desires to be in a position of authority. And I need to speak to this momentarily because I'm going to move into the message as we just flew it from one to the other, which I'm speaking this morning on the great speckled bird. But Brother Ed did not ask me to say anything in this manner, but this is what God has laid on my heart as I've been away a couple of weeks and been in prayer and been able to unplug and gain perhaps a fuller perspective on what's going on. And I'd like to say a pastor's time is fluid with the needs of the people. It's not what he desires to do, it's where the needs of the body are at. But Brother Ed has worked towards also a, a team at End Time Message Tabernacle, and a pastor, however, knows how to use the gifts in the body to the best of his and their ability. So as not to burn himself out or to burn out the officers or the ministers that are in the body. Not to lean on one too heavily or to lean on the other, but rather to use them in their season and in their time. As I said, Brother Ed has worked towards a team at End Time Message Tabernacle in a body of, which is a body of believers. It's not just a team of ministers, but it's a, we are a team as a body of believers. We are members fitly joined together. No one is greater than the other. It's been aptly displayed that, that the foot is not greater or less than the hand because it is the foot. It is just as important. Amen. A church with club feet doesn't go anywhere. It needs good, solid, healthy feet. Amen. A church without a mouth that has a tongue doesn't speak. It needs all the members to work aptly together, to, to individually be fit together. But it's with the, the office of the pastor at its headship of the church, under the auspices of the Holy Spirit, that each individual needs to be in their place, doing their part from the top to the bottom as is laid out in the message. And I want to say, I really appreciate the last week of services that Brother Rad has laid out 
Why don't we just, take, why don't we just give him a round of applause? Say thank you, Brother Ed. Thank you for taking the time to answer our questions. To take that amount of services and to lay that out. That's not easy for any minister, especially not for a man whose name is on the ballot. To have to lay that out. But God bless you. Really do appreciate that. But with his time being fluid with the needs of the people, he will be where he is most needed. That doesn't mean he'll be where you think he's most needed. That means he will be where he is most needed. Sometimes that is in the trenches encouraging you and I. Sometimes that's out for coffee with you, encouraging you, taking in the needs, praying with you. Sometimes that's what, sometimes it's being separate to the Lord in prayer, in the word, seemingly unreachable, but he needs to be where God needs him to be. That's where he's most needed. Sometimes it may be away on vacation because a man needs to recharge. Especially if the Lord sees there's a storm coming. He needs to prepare his man for the storm. And let me say, storms don't come because of the absence of, of the pastor. Storms come because storms come. Well, that's deep. No, it's not. They come because they come. The wind blows because it blows. Jesus said even to Nicodemus, can you tell where the wind comes from and whither it goes? So is the Holy Spirit. God knows what's happening. But yet he knows that there's troubles that are going to come. There's waves that are going to come. But listen, he's, the stabilizers on the ship is not the pastor holding it all together with his authority or his ability or his personality. That's not the stabilizers of the church. The stabilizers of the church is the word of God. It's Christ in the individual. That's what brings stability to a church. Amen. I want to read that quote to you because it bears repeating in Christ revealed in his own word in 1965. He says, now the stabilizers has been put on the ship. Not on November 6th of 2022. When the word was revealed in 63 and it was laid out through the prophet's message down through from 47 all the way to 65, that was the stabilizers being put on the bride to crest every wave. Because he says that, he says, look, he says, just beyond, he says, great fearful waves are out there before us. And I'm going to say it, it's still before us. We've been over some waves, but there's still more to come. Well, it's not just a smooth sailing into the rapture. We're just going to, everything's going to be great. We're just calm waters now, right in. No, I was just at the ocean. It's beautiful there, by the way. Y'all should go sometime. But, 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 the, but one of the, the hardest places to stand is right on the edge of the shore. When the waves are just crashing and rolling and crashing and it's ripping, tied you back out and it's pushing you right back in and pulling. It's actually a lot of fun to stand there, but it's, it's a little bit terrifying at times when all of a sudden it takes your feet right out from under you and here's one coming over the top of you. And you go, whoa, but that's, we're nearing the shore. We're right at that time. But right at that moment is when the waves get to the place where they're the fiercest. And it comes to a place where you realize it's tumbling, it's rolling. It's people coming, people going in and out. And there's a great multitude. But we'll crest every one of them because there's been stabilizers put on the ship, which is the word of God. He says, just stay stabled. Just stay in the word. Stay with God. No matter how you feel. Would anything else stay right with the word? Amen. Hallelujah. That's what we need to do. 
let it stay stable when you see all the big clouds come around us and the storms coming. And this is aptly very, very, very pertinent for right now. The atomic bombs and everything else that they're talking about. He says, but our stabilizers is right straight in the word. God said it would be here. We'll crest every one of them. Yeah, we'll go right over the top of them. Yes, indeed. He says, they can't sink us. They can't drown us. He says, you put us in the grave and we'll come back out again. Hallelujah. That's just all there is to it. There ain't no way in the world to keep it down. We'll crest every one of them because our chief captain is calling up the other side. And we're anchored in Jesus. By two immutable things, we're anchored within the veil on the other side. And he cannot lie. Hallelujah. The storms of life I'll brave. I'm anchored in Jesus. I'll fear no wind or wave. Amen. I want to just jump right into another quote from the eagle in her nest. And, and he would say, that old mother, then we'll tie it together. That old mother then throws her wings out. And those little baby eaglets somehow know by nature. Just like the little calf, he knows when he's born to get up and go nurse the mother. Nothing there to tell him, but it's God that tells him. And those little eagles... Just know how to place their feet in her wings and take their little beak and get a hold of a big strong feather. God tells them. And the church of the living God knows how to take a hold of the word of God. Those great strong wings of his deliverance and hold on to every divine promise when a mighty shaking strikes the place They know how to hold. Something tells them. Think about it. Something just tells them. They know when a great shaking comes and seems to shake the place. They're not scattered every which direction. They know how to hold on to those great eagle wings. He says the world might say fanaticism. They might, they, 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 they take a hold of a wing though and they just hold on. Because their nature is eagles. They know what to do. So I'm asking you this morning, and I'm going to ask you, I'm not calling anybody anything, but I want you to think on these thoughts moving forward. What are you? Are you an eagle? Or are you a chicken? You'll know by the nature that's in you. Let me say it this way. It's your instinctual reaction points to your nature. Not after you've had your reaction, then you run back in the prayer closet and go, God, what did I do? No, your instinctual reaction. We all make mistakes, but your instinctual reaction points to your nature. He says, what, now what has your, let me just rephrase the question this way. What has your stabilizer been this whole time? Was it a man? Or a smooth operation of a church? And when something seems to go up, I'm out of here. Or was it the word the whole time? I'll say this because I was just in Kauai and I spent a lot of time around chickens. <laughs> Believe it or not, chickens run wild in Kauai. They're everywhere. And I got to observe their nature outside of a barnyard. 
outside of where they just pack together and they're in a cage and they get, there's certain times they lay eggs and they come out and they know. But just in the wild and what they're really like. Because they don't have a natural predator other than humans there and for some reason it's easier to go to Costco and buy a cooked chicken than it is to catch one, kill one, pluck it, and gut it, and cook it. But in their nature, you know, they're everywhere. They're on golf courses, they're on mountaintops. Yeah, we climbed a mountain and we found a chicken up there. Amazing. You might get that way. You see, but that brother, he's got to be an eagle. He's on the mountaintop all the time. Yeah, someone put him there. He took a long time getting there, and he ain't getting off because he sure can't fly. I've never had such an urge to throw a chicken off a cliff. I really wanted to. I didn't. I restrained myself, but I really wanted to see what it would do. But I didn't. But they're everywhere. But their nature is interesting. They want the food so badly. You pull food out of your backpack and they're just right after you. They want a handout. They love it. You drop a breadcrumb, they'll follow you everywhere. You just drop a little more for them and they'll just hang around you all day long. But you just give them one little scare. Just a little something they don't like. You just go boo and they run. And that's all it takes. It's gone. I'm an eagle. Boop. Really? An eagle isn't like that. Not only will an eagle go hunt for himself, not looking for a handout, he'll go hunt for himself. If you're not careful in the boat, you leave the fish out, he'll steal it right off of you. Because he's looking for some fresh meat. He'll go hunt and kill for himself. And he will defend the fresh kill. He doesn't something bigger come along. He just backs away. Yep, yours. No, no, he'll defend it. This is mine. I took it. Get off my food. This is my food. That's the way an eagle is. And not only will a spiritual eagle go uh, receive and defend what is preached over the pulpit. Oh, that's the fresh kill. An eagle will defend it. And not try and pick it apart and say, oh, but I, that's Brother Andrew, and that's Brother so-and-so, and this, and this, and this, and that, and I don't like. No, but an eagle's going to say, no, that's what God had for me. It was on the Word, and I want to receive it, and don't try and scare me off of it, because you're going to get hit with my peak. Not only that, but he, no matter who tries to scare them off it, you can't scare them off it, but they will also, they are in the word themselves. So they know the difference between fresh meat and old dead of carrion. If someone from the pulpit tries to give them yesterday meal, they recognize it because they're getting their own meat as well. They know what it tastes like. That's a real eagle. It says, and hear ye him, Brother Branham says it this way. He says, no wonder we don't go nowhere. Everybody wants to pack the ball. He says, when a correct football game is going on, they'll pass the ball to their best man. But today, every man says, bless God, I could take care of myself. Oh, that wasn't just 57. That's 22 as well. Well, if I don't like what he said, I'm going to take care of myself. And I got this on my own. No. Pass the ball to the best man and keep it with him. Who's the best man? He's the one that God's using. He's not the one that we all look at. Well, he's the handsomest. He's the, he's the best looking. He's got the most expensive glasses out of all the ministers. I don't know if the red does or not. I have no idea. I probably do. But 
He's got all these things going on for him. And that, well, he's the best man. No, it's the man that God is using. The one that you see his Holy Spirit moving through. And you begin to realize he's the one that God has been working through. Give him the ball. He says, there's the reason we're so torn and we never get a touchdown because we're always trying to fight each other. And it's a great fight of life. He says, we ought to stand behind our pastor, stand behind our brethren with all we got within us. Amen. We ought to block for the man with the ball. That's what happens. Why? You say, my voice just isn't heard. No, your voice is heard. But the fact is, we're blocking for the man with the ball. Amen. We're not just going to go around and say, oh, yeah, you know what? We're going to do this and do this and do this. And we're going to bring all the complaints to the pastor. No, but we're going to block for the man with the ball. If there's an issue that something can be dealt with with the deacons, they'll deal with it. See, but I didn't like their decisions. I need to go over their head. No, God's got a position, an office that they have fulfilled. And they're the policemen of the church. If there's something they can handle, they can handle it. They're godly men. That God has put in place in the, in the body. And we thank God for them. We thank God for the trustees that we can contact them and say, hey, I have a need and I see this and that. And they get together and they deal with it and they're quick on it. And I bless the Lord for the trustees that do these things. And I thank the Lord for the ministers that come forward. And sometimes there's questions raised. And I've had some to me too that I've had to answer. And it's okay because I'm here to block for the man with the ball. To help him out. To bring the church forward. How do we get a touchdown when someone's running at the pastor? Block them. Wow. Oh my. You say, oh, he's, he's this or he's that. We don't have no fellowship with him. We never cooperate in that meeting. No, sir. We don't have to understand and do it. Listen to what he says. He says, oh, you poor deluded, decrepit people. Shame on you. What do you think the Holy Spirit says in the presence of God? There's not no division in the church of the living God. Hallelujah. You say, well, there's all this division. Maybe the life has been tramped out. Because there's too much political polling this way and that way and this way and that way. We want the Holy Spirit. From the pastor, to the song leader, to the deacon, to the trustees, to the laity, to the janitor, to the babies. We want the Holy Ghost in all of it. We want the authority of the word in every heart so we would know that when God's moving, there's a tug in your heart that says, keep moving along because that's me. I go back to the, the quote from the eagle in her nest. Brother Bradham says, And this old mother, when she turns her proud head and sees her brood on her wings, says, I've often thought what God would do when he sees his church take their position at the word. Think about that. When the church would really take their position at the word. To claim every promise that God made. How he turns his head proud. To look and see how he loves them with real love. See every member of the body positionally taking their place. And the Christian businessmen at their place. Yes, you're a businessman. You have a place in the body. And he says, and the ministers at their place. 
and the prophet in his place. Hallelujah. There's a place for the prophet, the messenger of the day. And there's a place for the ministry. And there's a place for the laity. And when all of us get in our place. Oh, let that old mother lets out a certain scream for her heart is thrilled and she's full of joy for her little eaglets know their place and they're all ready. And she lets out a scream and takes to the sky. Oh, what a day when God gets his church on the word. And there comes a certain hour we fly away on the wings of the great speckled bird. The eagle of God, the great Holy Spirit, anchored in the word. Hallelujah. Listen to this next paragraph. It says, now, it's a very peculiar thing that she does then. She just goes just as high as she can go. And we love those times. When we get into church, when we're in our prayer closet, and it just seems like it goes on for weeks where we're just soaring in the heavenlies. Just latched into that feather, that strong feather, and that mother mama eagle is just carrying us higher and higher as the church moves in unity together. And we all begin to move in this way on the wings of the great speckled bird, going up higher and higher. And he says, listen, he says, those little eaglets not murmuring a bit. Murmuring is unintelligible complaining. In other words, it's complaining that just don't make sense. They got their little beak set in them feathers. They just can't murmur. See, if you just keep your mouth full of the word of God, there's no room for murmuring. You try. You ever try and talk with your mouth full? My kids try it all the time. It just doesn't come out right. You're trying, but no, I, I give up. Can't complain anyways. I just keep feeding on the word of God, the word of God. Just let it keep coming in. Keep your mouth full of something good. Let your confession be good. He says, oh, he says, they got their little beaks to set in them feathers. They just can't murmur. That's the way God takes his church. If you're really set in the word, you don't murmur. You just hold on. If God made a promise, God can keep his promise. So they just hold on. And she takes them into places where they never thought they'd ever be. How many of you that have been here 30 years ever thought? You'd still be here voting on another pastor. Probably not one of you. I've only been here six years. I didn't think it happened. I just held on. Whatever the Lord's will is, just hold on. And we could use the other words that Brother Brown uses. You throw your hat in with it. Hold on to the word. He's the stabilizer. He says, when you get up into those places where you thought you'd never be, and she's soaring up, and she goes up into that bright blue sky, and now the strange thing, when she gets right up there, she shakes them, everyone off, right in the middle of the air. And y'all don't like it when a preacher comes up and gets you on a limb and cuts the limb off. God's the one that did it first. He gets you right up there in the heavens. He says, now, what does he say? Go fly for yourself. That's what he says. The next paragraph, he says, that's the way God does his church. Shakes them off. Fly for yourself. 
Think about it. Because why? The stabilizers ain't getting on the wings. It ain't this. It's being in the Word of God when you recognize it's not just me and the mama eagle, but I got wings too. I've got the same feathers that I can set on the winds of faith, and I can fly too. In five definite identifications, Brother Branham says it was a type of Christ. He says, and that great speckled bird is the church that's been speckled by the blood in its dead mate, the Savior, Jesus Christ. So now listen, the great speckled bird that we're flying up on, it's the church flying together in the unity of the Holy Ghost that flies up into these heavenly places. But when all of a sudden it seems the unity starts to break apart, you be to recognize that you can fly on your own. Not that you become an island unto yourself, but you recognize I wasn't reliant upon a church that was in perfect order. I was reliant upon the Holy Ghost in me and me being in my place. And when I'm in my place and you're in your place, then we form that great speckled bird sprinkled by the blood of Jesus Christ. And our worship becomes holy, holy, holy unto the Lord, bathing the ground with the blood of Jesus Christ all around. Oh, praise be to God. In the hours come. I'm just going from quote to quote because I don't have a lot of time, as I said. So I want to get you out before. I know you're all just waiting for bated breath. What happened? What about the vote? What's going on? Oh, my goodness. They're counting it. They have to recount it. What's happening? So there's just thoughts coming in, you know. Y'all got thoughts. Y'all got things happening in your mind. I know. It's okay. He says, now we'll talk a moment about gifts. As I said earlier, the pastor knows how to use the gifts. Amen. He knows how to put them, how to use them at the right time, in the right order. Brother, brother, brother Ed does not just make a schedule on preaching and just go, well, Brother Andrew, and what's next alphabetically? John, Maxwell, Moses. He doesn't do that. He prays about it. He seeks the Lord. He asks the Lord, what would your will be? He puts it where he thinks it would be, and sometimes it changes. Because maybe he felt led to do this, and then he realizes we get closer, no, it has to be this way, and we're not going to do that at this time. We're going to change it this way. I'm privy to those things that it changes all of a sudden, and it's, okay, I'm preaching now. This one's pretty, okay. But generally speaking, it's because he's put something together. He's put something forward. Why? Because he wants to operate the gifts properly. It's not a football game. As much as I preached about it, you block for the one with the ball. But yet it's not that we ride the hot hand. Well, Brother Max, you had a good service last time, so we're going to put you up again. Oh, it's Lord, what would your will be? He might have used Brother Max, but next he wants to use Brother John or Brother Andrew, Brother Moses, Brother, Brother Ed, and put it all around and use Brother Jared to song lead. Sorry, this came out. God bless you, Brother Jared. He says, but listen, he says, listen, we'll get to the gifts of the Lord. He says, the gifts of God has always been on the earth. Many times God couldn't find anyone to put them on. He says, but listen closely, God never takes his spirit from off the earth. God will take his man from the earth, but never his spirit. That ought to be a great comfort right now. He says, did you know that the spirit that was upon Elijah came upon Elisha in a double portion? 
Some came on down in John the Baptist. Is that right? So God never takes his spirit. He takes his man. He took his, taken his son up to heaven, but he sent back his spirit. He really pulled one over on the devil when he came down himself. And he with the Holy Spirit lived because the devil forgot, oh yeah, he takes his man but not his spirit. So when Jesus goes, the Holy Spirit has to stay. I'm really in trouble this time. Oh my, but he promised that he would do, that he would be with us to comfort us unto the end of the world. No matter how big those waves get a rolling as we're nearing the shore, he promised he'd comfort us right to the end. He says, now I want you to notice that it's the same Holy Spirit that was in the days of the apostles is here now. And Brother Branham says, present tense. In this meeting, working among the people, now it behooves us to realize this, that it isn't your brother, I. It's not your brother leading the church. It's the Lord Jesus who is here. And we're all representatives of his. Now we know that's the truth. Do you believe that's true? He says, now the Holy Spirit is here and he's just as willing and he can work through the people as the people will let him work. That puts it on you and me. He will work through the people not as long as the pastor preaches, but as long as the people will allow him to work. If we stop up the Holy Spirit, he can't move. But we need to be fluid with his spirit and allow him to move in our midst. Amen. I just take something from the crisis, the mystery. He says, proofs. He proves. Who does? Christ, God. He proves his resurrection life. Then as he vindicates himself, she, the bride, is independent from all others. She is an independent woman. He says, a great speckled bird that's different from all others. I, Jeremiah said that as he says, my heritage is unto me as a speckled bird. And the birds round about are against her. Gives her her feminine, feminine in designation. It says, come ye assemble all the beasts of the beetle, come to devour. But he begins to say, what is it? She has become a speckled bird. She needs the speckling of the blood of Jesus. And because of that, she is different. But it says she's different. You remember the Bible said the great speckled bird. How did they get speckled? They took the two birds and in the Old Testament it would be a sacrifice and they would rip the head off the one, sprinkle the blood on the other and set it free and it would fly out crying holy, holy, holy as it bathed the ground. So Christ, the dead mate, put his blood, his blood from his life into us, carrying his blood. How we ought to walk in this day. Carrying his blood crying holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. It's an odd-looking bird. Sure it is. She is identified by him. Think of his wording here for a minute. This is right out of Christ is the mystery God revealed where he doesn't say she identifies him, but she is identified by him. 
because of his life and her, it identifies who she is, not that she's pointing out who he is, but he points out who she is, that she's an odd-looking bird, and she is independent from all others. Keep the only, as, uh, only unto her as long as you both live. Keep only unto him the word. He says, no adultery. He's describing real quickly there. He says, it's a marriage. It's a union. It's joint together. They're only to themselves. No adultery. Not one sign of denomination, not one sign of creed, no adultery at all, the word and him alone. He quotes the song from Eddie Burnett, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And he says, that's it, Christ the word, he's the word, he is the word, and the church becomes the word. By him making her a part of him. And then that's the word again. Personally, so now it's individually, right down to each person. Personally identified by him. His property alone. She's redeemed by him, through him, for him, and for him alone. Then what is the devil howling about? That it's being revealed. He makes a statement right after that, we're in a dangerous time. Remember the scripture says when these things begin to happen, time is no more. She's fading away when we see the manifestation. Right when we see this bride and groom just begin to come on. What happens? She begins to fade off the scene. Oh, hallelujah. He says earlier in the message, he says, there's only one thing to happen. He says, there'll be a message at the end time and there's nothing else can follow it. Now, the ecumenical world has set up such a regime till there can be no denomination or not one, nothing else follow it. He says, you're either in it or you're not in it. He says, but the fruit is in the top of the tree. The light is shining on that predestinated fruit. And she is ripening into that Christ-like fruit, bringing forth the same mellowness and sweetness and the same spirit that he had in him. I says, I hope you all see it. I hope we're catching that revelation as the days and years and months go on, that we're catching it. It's the same mellowness, the same sweetness. It's not a political race. It's not anything to do with that. Jesus was never that way, but rather it was relying completely on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. The Son could do nothing but what the Father shows him first. Close on a couple of quotes and a couple of scriptures from the Laodicean Church Age. This is right at the end of the Laodicean Church Age. He says, now in this moment, now I said this a moment ago that the false vine coming to the full fruition in this age. That's the age we're living in. We see it all around us. The fruit would mature and ripen, and that is correct. The evil-spirited church, full of iniquity, will be revealed as the mustard seed that grew into the tree wherein lodged the fowls of the air. Babylon, Babylon, how great thou art fallen and become the cage of every unclean bird. And he says, at her head will be the Antichrist, the mystery of iniquity. He says, all that is true. And if that is true, then it must also be that the bride church will mature. He says, and her ripeness shall be an identification with her Lord by means of the word. That's the stabilizer. She can't get away from that no matter what. Her ripeness, her maturity is identified by the word. 
Hallelujah. And her head, who will come to her, is the mystery of godliness, which indeed is Christ. And as the false church, with all cunning and diabolical power, made up of political force, physical force, demons of darkness, come against this true vine. It's a whole service right there. We'll carry on without that. This is the true vine will, with the fullness of the Spirit and the Word, will do the very acts of power that Jesus did. Then as she nears her headstone, becoming like him through the Word, Jesus will come that the bride and groom may be forever united as one. It's a short, quick work. Right at that moment, it just pulls right together. And off it goes. And he says, already we're seeing the visible manifestations. That's what I was telling you. And if the ecumenical move of the terrors is factual, which it is factual. He calls it factual. He says, then also it is a fact that the prophet for the last stage must be bringing forth the message of God that will forerun the second coming of Christ. And he says, it will come and it will turn the hearts of the children back to the Pentecostal fathers. With the restoration of the word will come the restoration of the power. And then he makes this statement. He says, what crucial times we're living in. How careful we must be that we remain true to the word. So both times, one he says, what crucial times? And one he says, what's a dangerous time? And both times he says, stay with the word. That's the stabilizer that's on the ship. In the last warning to the Laodicean church age where he reads Revelation 3.22, he hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He says, this is the last warning. There will not be another. The throne room has been set up. The twelve foundations are laid. The streets of gold are paved. The gates of pearl, gigantic gates are raised and hinged like a pyramid. She stands so fair and glorious. The heavenly beings are all prepared. Preparing her watch breathlessly, for she glistens and shines with the glory that is unearthly. And every facet of her beauty tells a story of amazing grace and Jesus' love. Well, I thought I had some beauty. No, all of it is amazing grace and Jesus' love. She's a city prepared for a prepared people. Amen. He says, but thank God, at this moment, this age is not over. This is now a prophet in the Laodicean churches. He begins to lay out and wind down the, the church age book, the, the, what he put out right at the end of his ministry. And one of the last paragraphs before the resume of the ages. And he says, but thank God at this moment, the age is not over. He is yet crying. And his cry is not only in the spiritual ears of the man of man by his spirit, but once again a prophet is in the land. Once more God will reveal the truth as he did to Paul in the days of the seventh messenger. In the days of the Laodicean age, its messenger will reveal the mysteries of God as revealed to Paul. He will speak out, and those who receive that prophet in his own name will receive the beneficent effect of the prophet's ministry. Now here we have right at the end, we see the prophet of our day now speaking to his heritage. And he says that there will be those who receive the prophet in his name and they will receive the beneficial effect of his ministry. 
What is it? What is his ministry? It's a calling home to Zion. It's a come home. It's ready for you. And you need to be prepared as well. So it's a prepared place for prepared people to come and be married together. And he begins to speak to his own heritage saying, if you will call and swear by my name as the Lord liveth, as they were taught to swear by Baal. All the things that you were taught right in this way and that way. Now we need to turn it all around and look and say it's Jesus Christ from the beginning and is right to the end. And recognize that it's him and they shall be built in the midst of my people. And that's not actually referring to the Jews. That's referring to the Gentiles. They will be built in the midst of my people. The bride shall be built. A city made without hands in the midst of his people. Oh, think of it. Psalms chapter 87 verse 1 says, His foundation is in the holy mountains. I'm closing with this. He says, And the Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Oh, think of how you're loved. More than all the dwellings of Israel. The gates of Zion are more loved. He says, glorious things are spoken of thee, O city of God. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon, them that know me. Behold, Philistia and Tyre and Ethiopia. This man was born there. But Zion, it shall be said, this and that man was born in her. And the highest himself shall establish her. And the Lord shall count when he writeth up the people that this man was born there. Selah, as well as all the singers and the players of instruments shall be there. All my springs are in thee. And he begins to see what he's saying. He's saying, Zion will not be a barren woman. She will produce the word made flesh. Again, this man, the first, and that man, the last, was born there. And Ephesians 2 and verse 19 says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple unto the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. How can I be a habitation of God? It takes the leadership of the Holy Ghost to be your tutor, to place you positionally in the body so you can recognize I can fly too. It's not built by a man. It's built upon Christ. The solid rock of revelation as the musicians come. And this man and that man were born upon that rock. That sure foundation. She, the bride, is not a barren woman. She shall conceive again the pure word of God. She shall take the book, eat the book. She shall prophesy again. That's our foundation, built upon the Word of God, stabilized by the Word of God. He started the work. He'll finish the work. 
He does not take his man, but he doesn't take his spirit. It's still the same God moving on through a different brother, through a different leader. But it's the same one the whole time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Maybe we could sing that course together as brother Jared would make ready to come. Take these hands and lift them up. Thanks and see. Take these hands and lift them up. For I have not the strength to praise you. Oh